you aren't sustainable if you're not accessible to the people that actually want to make those decisions. And so the brands have to make some sacrifices and the consumers have to make some sacrifices and we have to find that intersection. Welcome to The Whole View. I'm Stacey Toth of Real Everything. I'm here each week to dive deeper into how we can find happiness and health inside and out through self-love, body positivity, and discovering new ways to be our best selves. Before we get started, a reminder that this podcast is for general educational purposes and is not intended to diagnose, advise, or treat any physical or mental illness. Though today we are talking about non-medical topic, we're diving into the idea of eco-conscious capitalism. Or we'll dive more into what that really means. But the idea that the world around us has an environmental impact, but also on our wellness. And can we exist in a kind of commercial capitalist society, but still care about people and planet? This is like a concept that I definitely struggle with myself as someone who makes income off of the sales of products. People still need things. People still want things. So how can we do it in a way that is beneficial to people and planet? And I'm excited because we have Christian Hansen, who is the co-founder and CEO at Slow. Um, You can check out slowjeans.co, which is out of Canada. So we're international today because you're also in Istanbul. So we're all over the place. And Christian will tell you more about that, but he and his team are defining, redefining what it means to build companies through community, which is another great way to think about this and with a slow fashion revolution. So listeners, you may remember that we have talked before on the show about how impactful fashion is on the world in terms of harmful to the environment, but also the toxins that can be used that affect us as humans when we wear them. So moving to slow fashion is part of overall well-being from my perspective. And Christian is working through that both on his own journey to solve the climate crisis through his brand, but I think in educating others through eco-conscious capitalism, using the power of consumerism and data and sharing publicly. You may have seen him on TikTok with nearly 8 million views. I want to welcome you to the show today and to talk more about something that I don't think enough people fully understand the impact of, which is the full life cycle of the products that they're buying, specifically fashion. Can you tell us more about yourself and how this came to be a topic and a passion of yours? Yeah, absolutely. First off, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my, my journey to, into fashion is pretty unorthodox per se. I originally started out as a hockey player. That's what I thought I was going to do for the rest of my life. And that ended very quickly as a lot of hockey careers too. Mincing a few teeth, a few injuries here and there. And I tried to pull myself out of the ashes of what I thought I was going to do. I figured, hey, let's get a job. And I started working in the industry for a couple of big fashion companies that I'm sure many of you are either wearing or have clothes from. And my original job was basically just in and sourcing and basically going from factory to factory and trying to negotiate deals 
and just trying to use some charisma. And the reality was I couldn't sleep at night. It is a horribly damaging, destructive industry that is rooted in so much exploitation that I was in and out of that job faster than, than I'd ever been in my entire life. And it made me just realize our, our world is run in a way that we're in a trajectory that is going in a very horrible direction for both people and planet. And I thought, look, this is the thing that everyone uses. Everyone buys clothes, probably on a weekly basis in some cases, if not even more. And this is a consumer product. This is just one example of something that people need and people buy. And if this is how horrible it is, what's happening in every other dimension? And that started just a deep dive in that serial entrepreneur story of I started one brand, didn't work, moved to the next one, to the next one, to the next one. Until Slow was born one day, completely by accident on TikTok. I bought a pair of women's jeans at a thrift shop. Accidentally didn't realize they were women's jeans. I'm six foot three. So typically if I can buy jeans or find jeans that fit, they're men's jeans. And they didn't have pockets. And I went on TikTok and I just said, ladies of the world, is this what you deal with? Is this, and I'm knowing what I knew about the exploitation industry, is this also what you deal with with the product? And Thousands of people responded, yes, this is what we deal with. This is what we deal with. This is what we deal with. And that was the beginning of slow. It was like, I am sick of what's happening in the industry. I'm sick of people not being listened to. It's a very one-way conversation. Let's do something about it. And that was the beginning of what I'm doing. I'm a little bit into kind of the industry and what's wrong with it. I, I am fascinated on how those genes ended up in your home, but I am also curious, you shared about your hockey experience. I understand you also had a health experience that played into a revised worldview, so to speak. Can you share a little bit about that? Definitely. A couple, um, both physical and mental. I don't talk a lot about it generally, and I like to because I think it's really important. Mentally speaking, mental illnesses run in my family, typically, or or, or more standard uh, bipolar disorder and anxiety and things like that. Things that you're not supposed to have if you're a tough hockey player or the CEO of a startup, or you're not supposed to talk about those things. You're not supposed to walk into a boardroom with investors and say, I think my greatest strength is that I am bipolar. They're going to laugh you out of the room. And the reality is that through some of these different experiences, and most recently, I had a, a thyroid failure and I gained about 50 pounds. I went from working in fashion, being basically an influencer. Lots of people at the time were following me because of the way that I looked and the way that I dressed and the way that I was. And I was in front of the camera every day. And all of a sudden, I didn't recognize myself. I didn't fit into any of my clothes. And I already had been dealing with these mental battles. And it really did change the way that I felt about myself, that I saw the world, that I saw my business, and it was a big challenge. And through fixing it and working through it and getting back to feeling a bit more like myself, I've realized, wow, there are a lot of people that are just very misunderstood because of what they're dealing with. And that's a big part of what we do with our clothing now is that it's a big part of what we do with positivity and inclusivity with our clothing is that everyone deserves to be confident in what they're wearing. And that it doesn't matter if you don't fit into the standard fast fashion size set of six tiny sizes that were designed for, I don't even know who, you fall outside of that size set, that's okay. Because the size set is broken, not you. And had I not had this experience myself, I probably would never have come to this understanding, come to this realization. And it's very important that I think fashion executives understand this. And I think it's turned into, at the time, was one of my greatest weaknesses. I think it's turned into one of our greatest strengths of what we're doing. I 
100% agree. And I appreciate your willingness to be vulnerable and put that out there. And I think that is what makes great leaders because it also enables other people to see like, hey, this thing doesn't have to hold me back. So I get that. And I, I love it. I think the other thing that we have a lot in common on is I use a phrase using commerce as an engine for change. It's um, the language that I attribute to using your wallet to align with your values or like different kinds of things and phrases that I think people say. And consumers, especially in the last couple of years, are really driving a movement towards demanding brands doing more and doing better for people on the planet. You're a fantastic example of that, of kind of this lived experience that you had in multiple ways driving you towards a business approach in fashion, but also to encompass these other areas. I'm wondering if you can define for listeners what you call eco-conscious capitalism and Beyond that, I think, you know, what what else might be living under that umbrella? Absolutely. No, I call eco-conscious capitalism largely from the perspective of the brands and companies. It's this is something that the company and the brand has to fully embrace because otherwise you get greenwashing and you get people who don't completely they're being told, oh, this is a sustainable product. And in reality, it's not. Eco-conscious capitalism needs to be at the root and the core of the business plan of every company on earth if they want to call themselves sustainable. And what I mean by that is it's going against the status quo that has since really as recent, but become the status quo since the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, where you look for the cheapest everything, the cheapest labor, the cheapest material, the cheapest things, and everything is about your profit margin. And it didn't always used to be like that. There used to be this ideology of craftsmanship, this ideology of let's build things that last for people and let's build things that are better quality than our competitors. And this mindset has shifted in recent years towards how do we make it cheaper than our competitors? That's the only thing that consumers care about. That th Those person's jeans are $10. These guys' jeans are $20. They don't care about what they are. They just care about the price. And that's the mentality of pretty much every business on earth at the moment. And that is incredibly dangerous. And to me, it's the number one thing that's contributed to the climate crisis in recent years. Everything is about profit. It doesn't matter at the exploitation of people, the planet, anything. And so the root of eco-conscious capitalism is going back to the way that we used to make things, the way that we used to make clothes per se, where it's about let's use the best quality fabric because it's going to last 10 years and those jeans that they buy today. They could literally pass down through the generations, let alone they're gone in a few months and they're in a landfill. That is the root of it, is how do we at every single level, not just one level, not just, okay, let's buy the sustainable material, but let's have it made in a sweatshop in Bangladesh. No, let's buy the sustainable material. Let's pay fair wages, not living wages. I'll get into that in the middle. In the middle of it, I hate that term. I hate the term living wages. Let's pay fair wages. Let's ensure that every single part of the supply chain we're not cutting corners solely for the sake of profit because you can be profitable, you can make a difference, and simultaneously you can improve the world for people and for the planet while also making money. And we need to be moving in that direction and that is the core of everything that we do. This week's podcast is sponsored by Honeylove, who I personally purchased and I'm thrilled they're giving you up to 50% off site-wide. I have been in search of a supportive bra or tank for years, 
none were able to separate, so no uniboob, relieve shoulder and neck pain, encompass all of my tissue without spillage, and give lifted support. It was seemingly always something missing until I found Honey Love's liftwear camis. I have worn them when I'm working or lounging at home, on outdoor hikes, and even when I'm out and about town. No more underwear required, friends. Who is ready to burn bras with me? This year, I am thankful for Honey Love because there is nothing worse than suffering from an uncomfortable bra or shapewear. Honey Love has revolutionized the bra and shapewear game. Say goodbye to uncomfortable underwire and bulky fabrics that trap heat. Honey Love's bras feature supportive bonding that eliminates the need for underwire without sacrificing lift. Plus, they're made with fabric that's so soft you won't want to take it off. And the shaper uses targeted compression technology so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating while wearing effective shapewear. You'll immediately feel and see the difference. Get yourself the gift of comfort. Plus, for this month only, Honey Love is giving up to 50% off site-wide. Visit honeylove.com forward slash whole view to shop their November sale and let them know we sent you when the survey asks. If you're fuller chested or don't want the compression effect, I recommend sizing up on the liftwear camis. Otherwise, the tanks are truly true to size. I love how inclusive they are with all of their options up to 4X. I also have the superpower short, which I wear when dressing up like our recent family photos. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save up to 50% off site-wide at honeylove.com slash wholeview this month only. Inventory is limited and the sale ends soon, so don't miss out with their best deals of the year. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them, so please support the show and tell them we sent you. It's the time to ditch underwire for good, thanks to Honeylove. Honeylove.com slash wholeview for 50% off. I think as consumers, we've really driven brands to at least pretend to do that a little bit. And I think you alluded to greenwashing. And this is where I really struggle with the idea of like, can you truly have capitalism that is also eco-conscious, that is also people and planet focused in general, right? There's so many brands using marketing tricks and They want to be seen as eco-conscious. They want to be seen as safer. They want to be seen as better for the planet. Or it sounds like in your case, maybe using a phrase like living wage, better for people. They're never going to tell you my product is being mined by people in an unsafe way or children are making my product or you're never going to see that, of course. So I'm wondering, like, what can we as consumers look for? to ensure that brands are truly aligning to our values and that we're spending money the way that we want to and not basically paying extra for marketing. Definitely. And it's the challenge because you can market beautifully these days, especially with social media and especially with the way that you can communicate to people like never before. The reality to me comes to it. it, It's an old adage that it's too good to be true, it probably is. And that's what happens with a lot of these fast fashion brands. Look at this sustainable pair of jeans. It's only $29. That's not possible. And 
we as consumers have to be comfortable with the fact that you are not going to get those $29 jeans. But we have to look at it in the perspective of you're going to buy this $29 jeans and they're going to last you three or four months. And then you're going to have to buy another pair of $29 jeans. And then they're going to last you three or four months and another one. And maybe over the course of the year, you've bought four pairs and you've now spent $120 plus the time, the energy, everything. And now you've got four pairs that are sitting in a landfill every single year onwards and upwards. Or you can find a smaller brand, a more sustainable brand. Maybe they're selling them at $100 or $150. Oh my God, I would never pay $150 for a pair of pants. That's ridiculous. But the reality is that if they can back up those claims and they can substantiate those claims and the price makes sense based on those claims, more often than not, and there's been a lot of financial uh, research done and a lot of uh, economists that have shown that paying for those better quality products, paying for those little bit higher price point products ultimately saves you money in the long run. And it's hard for some people I know. It's I'm speaking you know, from a place of privilege where I do have that opportunity to spend some more money than I know some people don't. And that's also okay because that's where we have to demand that the brands improve those lower quality products. The expectation shouldn't be you're either super sustainable and everything's okay or super cheap and exploita exploitation through the roof. We have to demand that they do raise the bar. But from the question, the goal is really where's that intersection? Where can brands be profitable and people get a great deal and they don't feel like they're being cheated? They don't feel like they're just paying for marketing. But we still leave room for growth. We still leave room for capitalism. But we're doing it in a way that allows brands to not cut those corners and give us a great product, which is what we've really been trying to aim to do is stay accessible. There's no such thing as sustainability without accessibility. And sustainable fashion brands have been around for years into the 90s. But there's nothing sustainable about a $400 t-shirt. Nothing because you aren't sustainable if you're not accessible to the people that actually want to make those decisions. And so the brands have to make some sacrifices and the consumers have to make some sacrifices and we have to find that intersection. That's really where I think that ultimately it's the only way that we make it work. And what do you think are the best ways other than price for consumers to identify? Like, for example, when I go to a website and I'm shopping because I'm one of those people that shops online because... I am in a larger body and clothes are not available for me at stores. So I'm also creating waste by oftentimes having to buy multiple sizes, try them on and ship back what doesn't work for me. But that's let's just leave that aside. So I'm on a website. I'm shopping. One of the first things that I look for is inclusivity and marketing. First of all, I want to see people that look like me. I want to see people of color. I want to see people of age, like various ages. Like I want diversity in marketing because I want to support a brand that's aligning my values. And then the second thing that I look for is some sort of sustainability page. I want to see what they're doing. And even as much as I am actively searching, and I know that I am far more educated than most consumers on this topic, sometimes I myself am duped into some of these marketing terms because they'll be like, oh, I have this certification or we're carbon neutral. And then when I'm digging deeper and deeper into these things, I'm like, oh, they're just paying to plant trees somewhere. They're not actually like making a difference in your manufacturing process. What can we as consumers do short of getting a PhD in fashion and cleaning supplies and personal care and all these other areas where we know the toxins are created and the industry is potentially harmful. Is there nomenclature we could look for? Is, you know what I mean? Like, what would you recommend? 
Sure. Yeah, I find that it, it comes down to a couple of things. One, a brand that talks too much about its certifications typically is using them as a, as a shield. So exactly like you're saying, it's very easy just to say, yeah, we're part of the Better Cotton Initiative, which is largely BS. And we're part of this group of people, which is also largely BS, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. When the reality is, will they let you look in the kitchen? And that's my biggest thing. Is there anything on any of their websites to tell you where the products are made, by who the products are made? And that's the easiest thing to hide because it's rather hard and illegal to hide the composition of, say, a fabric or the composition of chemicals or the composition of, say, you're buying food products, what's in them. You know, you can hide them behind fancy science words, but where's the product made? And a lot of fashion brands won't tell you on their website. They have to tell you on the product for import purposes. But if you don't see a section on a website that says we are made here and it doesn't have to be a photo, the whole setup and everything, but explain a little bit about their manufacturing process. They have something to hide. That is a, just a firm belief of mine because it, from years of going to these factories, I've probably been to 120 different clothing manufacturers now in probably 12 or 14 different countries. No brand wants people to know that they make their clothes in those places. And that's the root of the entire problem for me is if you want to hide who is making your clothes, that's not a good sign. And so the number one thing I would look for is one, if it's in your face, green sustainable, it's probably a marketing stunt. Two, take a look at the composition of the fabric. See, did they opt for organic fabrics? Did they opt for something that looks, even if you don't have a PhD in it, you can tell, is this just polyester and all these other things that you know are just manufactured? And do they tell you where the product is made? And do they have any form of policy for labor, any form of policy for making sure that they're taking care of their people and making sure that it's an ethical supply chain? Those are typically the brands that invest big money into sustainability because they want to see a return on that investment. And I think that's okay. I invest a lot of money in making sure that my manufacturing facility is pristine. It's a beautiful space. It's a safe space. It has all the audits and certifications. I want to show you that. And if I make some more sales as a result of that's good eco-conscious capitalism, I've made a great place for people to work. I pay better than market wages in a very safe, creative, great environment. I want to show it to you. You like it and you buy the product because you want to support businesses that do that. That's a really great cycle. And so those types of brands will tell you those things. That's a little bit of my rule of thumb. That makes a lot of sense to me. And I think especially when it comes to anything where there's manufacturing, one of the kind of aha moments for me over the last couple of years is that the idea of like net zero is not just can I recycle this item and it actually gets recycled. It goes all the way back to the supply chain that the manufacturer didn't even have control over, right? Like, and how was that shipped to the warehouse? How is that shipped to the consumer, right? Like all of these things that go into the decision-making process have an impact on people and planet. And specifically when it comes to the overproduction of fast fashion, it is causing an incredible amount of waste. And the industry really messes with consumers' heads having them believe that they need new clothes every season. You mentioned earlier, right, like people buying clothes as often as every week. Like 
I have four teenagers and three of them are biologically mine and male and they will wear their clothes until I'm literally like, you have holes in your pants. We need to get new clothes. But I have a non-binary child who is was not fully raised in our home who we're adopting and has a very different perception on fashion because that's how they were raised. And they also did not have access to, as you mentioned earlier, being able to invest into quality pieces. And so their understanding of like what clothing is very different than how the rest of the family thought about fashion. And it took a lot of education to bring that together. And one of the things that came up in our conversations about fashion was this idea of like, yeah, but all my favorite TikTokers are doing try-ons of these clothes. And I was like, oh, okay. Like even someone like myself who I'm an influencer, I'm on social media. And it's like, I knew in my head that watching these people do sheen hauls or Amazon fashion hauls, that those are fast fashion choices that those people are able to buy for cheap, try on, throw up their link, make money, and then they have to cycle through over and over again. They can't do that if they're buying capsule pieces or a pair of jeans that last two years or whatever it might be that it doesn't create the consumer behavior that those influencers need for people to buy. It took a lot for me to get kiddo to understand that. Like, I'm wondering, as someone who's on TikTok, there is more of awareness, right? Like, there was the whole, like, sheen reveal that happened on TikTok, I think, like, a year or two ago, which helped education. But then just Amazon took, right? Like, now it's Amazon fashion, which is the exact same thing. And I don't mean, like, legit quality brands that are reselling on Amazon. The stuff that is manufactured in the ways that you're talking about, right, with lower cost labor, with not giving consciousness to how the earth is being harmed, like all of these things. And I don't want to get sued by Amazon. Like, I, it just mean that there, there's a new trend, right? Like, okay, Sheena's out. Now let's find the new fast fashion thing. Agreed. Yeah, it's a big problem. And I think about it all often. It's a huge responsibility, especially when you look at, say, like every once in a while I'm at a you know, sporting event or a concert or something. I look at the concert and I'm like, okay, there's about 20,000 people here. And it's like, oh my God, I am basically a million followers. Like they're like, that's the stadium times, like tens and tens and tens, whatever, wherever we are. And I think it's very important that quickly the right people and the right voices get behind the idea that, okay in the right amounts. And what I mean by that is we can't shut the chain down. It's impossible. It's like you're saying, Sheehan falls this week and someone else replaces them next week. What I think we have to do is we have to realize that there are some things that don't need to be fast fashion and there are some things that can be fast in and they can still be done better, but they can be. So you mentioned capsule pieces. That's a fantastic term. It's what I'm essentially basing my entire business off of. A pair of jeans is a great investment that can last you a very long time. A denim jacket is a great investment and last you a very long time. We need influencers to do what celebrities in the past, like I'm talking 50, 60 years ago, used to do, where all the marketing was about quality. All the marketing was, buy this car. It's built to last. It's fantastic. We use this and this material and buy this blender. And all of a sudden, 
we shifted this mentality because of the content culture. And like you're saying, the need to repeat that cycle as quickly as possible. We can still repeat those cycles, but rather than replacing the entire outfit, you can say, today I am matching these jeans. I've had these jeans for years. They are excellent. They are a fantastic investment. I've wear them three times a week and they're still going strong, but I bought a really cool new one-off t-shirt from this brand. We have to still hold that brand accountable for trying to make things better. But the reality is that there is a compromise where you can have the consumeristic mentality and the capitalistic mentality that we can't completely shut off while also making compromises. And it's my responsibility and it's our responsibility as TikTokers, as influencers, as people who the next generation are looking towards for any form of you know advice on how to dress and how to do things to say, look, you don't need to buy the head to toe outfit every single day. And it shouldn't cost you $5. And that's something that I take very serious. And I think we need to, once again, find an intersection there that allows for that content to be created, allows for those purchases to be made, but does so in a compromised kind of environment. This week's podcast is sponsored by Puri, who have become my supplement brand of choice. I don't like to take supplements for the sake of it, so their standards for effective performance and safety are the absolute best. I was super frustrated when my annual blood work showed that I was deficient in a nutrient I was already taking a supplement for from another brand, and I started with their magnesium since that's what I needed at the time, but I have since switched over almost everything I take to them because I'm loving the results. They are the first brand I have ever used to not cause fish oil burbs from their omega-3. And next week, we're actually going to do a deep dive on the science of why that happens in everything fish oil. But they do testing on everything, even heavy metal testing for their dark chocolate protein powder, which is super tasty without any gross, weird added ingredients. Ingredients are pasture-raised with real bourbon vanilla and coconut sugar, which has been awesome to add to smoothies. And their collagen allow me to add in more protein to maintain muscle mass. So important as we age without inflammation or irritation. Puri uses third-party laboratory testing for 200 plus different types of pesticides, heavy metals, and other unwanted substances, and verify that the products contain the amount of active ingredients indicated on the label, which is also certified by the Clean Label Project ensuring products are what they say and aren't contaminated for the final end product. The highest of standards. See and feel the difference with Puri. I know you'll love their supplements as much as I do. Puri is offering you all, my listeners, an amazing deal, 20% off site-wide. Just go to my special URL, puri.com slash wholeview, and use my code wholeview. This even applies to the already discounted subscriptions, you'll get almost a third off the price. Go to P-U-O-R-I.com slash WholeView. Don't miss out. Use promo code WholeView at Peori.com slash WholeView. And I would add to that, I think there is some accountability also on the consumption of that content. To be aware and be mindful when you see creators, you respect them, but also be like, gosh, I'd love to see you show me quality, reusable things. Like, can you do a once a week for a quarter, I'm going to wear the same pair of jeans, but show me different ways to style it 
or do it all year long. Like show me how to style them with boots. Show me how to style them with flip-flops. Show me like, I think that there's also as a consumer, it's so easy to see things and, oh, it's beautiful and shiny and I want to click it and buy it. I want to own it. But then it's like 48 hours later, we're disappointed with that thing, like the the rush, the endorphins and serotonin, whatever kind of, you know, positive hormone lift we got from buying something is then like disappointment or guilt or whatever it is that we're facing. And so if we can recreate a little bit of those consumer habits and pause, I know for me, the first sustainable brand that I invested in, it was a shock for me, but I was also thrilled that a brand had created a plus size line that was sustainable. And I was like, I have not seen a brand commit to, we're going to create plus size versions of every item that we have and launch the the full version of it on their website. And they had a lifetime guarantee of quality of their products. And they were like, if at any time this dress falls apart, whatever, we will give you a new one. And it was also the first time that as an influencer, I could I have been wearing that same dress for three years and I can still give someone the link because the problem is I have a jean jacket that I've had for 10 years. That link to that brand is not available anymore, right? Like they make a new jean jacket every season because they want to resell a new jean jacket. I'm like, but now everybody wants that jean jacket because that jean jacket fits great. That jean jacket's what I wear all the time and I can't, well, sorry, I don't have a link to this jean jacket anymore. We as consumers of that content and as creators, right? Like it's not just on creators, it's not just on brands, but in order to change the habits, because I don't know about you, but I know for most influencers, we are influenced by the people who are consuming our content. We are going to create content that people are positively reacting to or asking for, right? And so if someone who's watching your content is asking for you to do a try-on haul with sustainable stuff, that's huge motivation for that person to be more accountable to not just throwing up like the fast fashion choices. Totally agree. At the end of the day, it's the supply and demand ideology, which at the end of the day, if there's a demand, there will be a supply. And we as consumers need to hold influencers, content creators, whatever you want to call anybody, celebrities, et cetera, et cetera. We need to hold them accountable in the same way that we are trying to be held accountable by the government and the world and people are saying we need to be more sustainable. Everyone needs to be. And I agree. If there's a demand, there will be a supply. And then it does get into the, okay, who is real and who is not mentality, right? Like we just discussed, but I agree. And I think at the end of the day, it is trending in the right direction from what I see working in fashion and brands are seeing the consumer demand and they're seeing these shifts. And I do think fast fashion is going to need a serious overhaul in the coming years. I've bet my life on it. That's why I'm here doing what I do. But I think it, at the end of the day, we now have a very different buying funnel than we've ever had before as a result of short form video. Previously, ads, billboards, newspapers, celebrity endorsements, magazines, commercials on TV, they were very methodical and they were very constant and continuous and they were very kind of cookie cutter, one and the same. We have never had quite the cult of personality and the availability to those people than we, it's just never existed before. You can follow an influencer 
comments on a video and get a reply from them in 10 seconds. And that is a weird mental thing that I don't think the industry, the market capitalism is ready for. I think the world economy right now is run by Gen Z girls. Like it's just the reality of it. And I think it comes down to that relationship with content creators and content creator brands now are on a level that they've never been on before. And so I do hope with like you're saying that if we hold content creators accountable, not only are they going to make content about it, they will potentially be the people that make the next brands. And they will be people like me that go, Hey, I can do this. I have an audience. I have people. I know I can make things. Maybe people will want to buy the things that I make and I can do it my way. And we're starting to see it. And I think content, content creator brands could be a huge driving force, but we as the consumers have to force that change. I think it's interesting when I think about creator brands, a couple of like big names came to mind and I'm like, yeah, these people are also making an effort. So I think about the big female influencers and doing makeup, right? And so I can think of Fenty, for example, as just being one of the biggest brands moved into fat, like from makeup to fashion. And there is this bridge, right? It's not perfect, but there is this bridge towards cleaner products, inclusivity. And I love the idea that the people who are consuming the products, but also consuming the content can have influence over improvements of those products because they have that instant access to the influencer. That's a, that's like a full life cycle that I hadn't really considered, but there are so many brands that applies to that we have seen in the market. Gosh, it's like endless running through my head of all of the celebrity and influencer brands that are out there right now. And you're absolutely right. It is an opportunity for consumers to drive that change, but only if we truly like hold people accountable and not just a greenwashing. And I think the other part of that is also not letting perfection be the enemy of the good, right? Like if we see a brand make an attempt. So I see this example with brands who are purchased by larger brands. So let's use food, for example, right? Like this happens a lot with food where there's a bar that is grass-fed, no additives, all this stuff. And people love the quality of the bar for those reasons. They buy the bar and then a big brand comes along and says, we do not understand that market. We do not have like access to this kind of product. We want to not only buy this product and have access to the profit, but we want access to the people who created this bar so that they can have influence over our brand. And what I see happen with consumers is the assumption that now that bar is somehow lesser quality, that like that brand has ruined or tainted that bar without proof, without actual ingredient changes, like because, yes, that happens sometimes, but not always. And then what happens is sales plummet on the bar. And the big brand who thought that they were making an investment into eco-conscious capitalism at this point, right, like whatever it is that we're talking about, now sees their revenue plummet on the bar and is like, oh, that didn't work for us. We're moving on. We're trying something different. And we as consumers have to reward the brands who are making an attempt to do something, even if it's not 100% perfect. Like we have to be willing to meet the brand's 
where they are. And I think you were talking about that earlier, right? When it comes to fashion, like the t-shirt isn't going to be perfect. It might be $40 instead of $20, but that's where we're going to have to meet in the middle for a while. I agree. And at the end of the day, I think it's up to the brand to ensure that the sustainability is not just marketing, that it actually has tangible value, whether that's a a protein bar meeting cleaner ingredients and it's not going to upset your stomach nearly as much, anything like that, cleaner, better ingredients. And so you pay a slight premium, but results. Same with fashion. You buy my jean jacket. It's a little bit more expensive than going and buying one from a fast fashion brand but you will see the results. It will last you forever and you can absolutely beat the crap out of it. And you'll be like, oh, this is amazing. It's like, it's in perfect shape. And that needs to be the way that we educate consumers because that's the way that it used to exist. And that's the way that the market worked for a very long time. So we know it's possible, but if the brands, you know, ruin it, like you said, and a big brand acquires that little brand and all of a sudden it's like, okay, let's make this as cheap as possible and outsource Bangladesh. Well, now the sustainability thing is just a marketing trick and you've ruined it. And so I think it comes down to both sides. It's up to the brand to realize that sustainability, ethical manufacturing, ethical decisions for better quality products isn't just about marketing and consumers need to realize paying a premium actually isn't just for the sake of paying a premium. It's actually better. And because it's better, you get that that added bonus. And I think that's where really the core of the middle is going to be found. Today's podcast is brought to you by TN Dickinson's, the gentle and effective personal care, first aid and skincare brand families have trusted for over 150 years. If you didn't yet listen to the bonus show with Dr. Nicole Sparks, it's worth the 20 minutes of your time. I had no idea all the things witch hazel could do. And TN Dickinson's is known for genuine witch hazel without unnecessary additives, bringing 100% natural, effective, safe products you can feel good using of dyes, sulfates, phthalates, and gluten-free. TN Dickinson's clinical grade witch hazel gently cleanses, soothes, and treats many skin needs for the whole family, such as making skin feel tight temporarily, removing oil, reducing the appearance of pores, clearing acne-causing bacteria, and TN Dickinson's actually has a variety of fragrance-free, alcohol-free astringent products made with 100% pure witch hazel, which can care for cuts and scrapes, hence why you would want skin to feel tight temporarily, calm redness and irritation, post-sun exposure care, and be a gentle aftershave solution. We use the witch hazel hyaluronic acid and aloe-based formula or the plant-based biodegradable witch hazel soothing cleansing cloths. They can remove makeup and clean skin, which is great for my teens. They're gentle enough to even be used down there or on little ones or any other reason sensitive areas need soothing. I also love that TN Dickinson's is dedicated to sustainability, sourced from USDA certified organic forest lands and harvested using practices to help promote forest regrowth. They use innovative energy saving measures and post-processing The remaining witch hazel wood chips are sold as landscaping mulch to local garden stores. So cool. TN Dickinson's products are available on Amazon and at major retailers, including Walgreens, Walmart, Target, CVS, and Rite Aid. Going back to fashion, one of the ways that I have 
made this work for me in the meantime. So I am not you. <laughs> I am not an athlete, right? So I am a I'm a 40-something mom to four teenagers. But I also have a lot of events that I go to. I travel usually at least half a dozen times a year and I go to events that require like fancy dinners or parties that are like high-end parties. I do not want to have to, and I'm seeing the same people over and over again, and I'm taking photos on the internet. I don't want to wear the same three dresses over and over because in in my mind, that's what I would do, right? I would buy three dresses that look great that I feel confident in, and I would just wear them. But then all of my photos would be of the same exact dresses. The people would see me in the exact same dresses. And for like a black dress, like a little black dress or whatever we're going to call that, you can wear different accessories and stuff. But for me, because of what I want, I'm going to look for something different. And so I've utilized kind of two different ways in addition to like my capsule wardrobe of really committed to slow brands and being willing to pay extra money for something that will last a long time that I can feel good as helping the people on the planet. That's my day to day, right? But then when I'm going out, I don't want to go buy fast fashion. So I have found two things that work for me. One is something like The Real, which is high quality brands who are because um, a lot of them are luxury, they're not using like child labor and different kind of things on the original source, but they're also super high end. So they're holding up and people are essentially consigning their own products to other people and they last a long time. And then the other one that I use is Thread Up, which is like an online thrift store. And I want to talk about your thoughts on thrift stores. But in this way, again, it's I'm searching for products that are made by companies that I know are, for example, a B Corp, which has some certifications on, I, we talked earlier about certifications can be a problem, but for me, B Corp is a good one for people in Planet. And so I'm looking at something like Athleta, I would buy on Threada, right? Like I know that I'm going to be able to buy items that are rewearable and I know what the universal sizing of them is or something like that on Threada. And then the completely like opposite end of that is Newly, And I know that there's a lot of different like clothing rental brand things out there. But for me, this one has been like my favorite because it has a sustainable shipping option and it allows people to rent clothes like six to nine or something like that for a month, wear them and then ship them back. And I can ship them like straight from my travel location. I don't have to put them in my suitcase on the way back. I don't have to wash them. And if I love something and if I'm like, I'm going to wear it again, I want to own this, I can keep it and I can buy it. And I feel like this has become modern day thrifting. This has become like a way around fast fashion, right? Like somebody else can wear these products that I've worn now that I really wouldn't wear again otherwise. But hearing your take on like thrift store mindset, it really had me question like, oh, is this actually a good thing that I'm doing? Or am I, am I like put, uh, putting into a system that I don't really want to? So I'm curious on what your take on all of those are and to share with listeners like your unpopular opinion, as you call it, on thrifting. 
Yeah, no, totally. I think those are all fantastic options, by the way, that you've, you've listed. I think that's really great. And it shows, um, it shows that you care and that's great. And that's exactly the direction that we need people and influencers and people who have a platform like this to begin to learn and learning is the key. But in terms of my unpopular opinion on thrift shops, uh, not so much thrift shops, but thrift shopping, I think just in the last 10 years, really, uh, I don't think it's very sustainable. And what I get at when I say this, a lot of people think right away, oh, it's a secondhand opportunity. You go to a thrift shop and you're buying secondhand clothes. It's not ending up in a landfill, blah, 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 blah. But the reality is that within the last 10 years or so, I believe that it's become a justification point for people to not feel bad about their rapid purchasing cycles. They can go to a Zara or a Fashion Nova or a Shein and they can buy themselves a full outfit, wear it twice and be like, I dropped it off from the thrift shop. Someone else is going to buy it and that makes it more sustainable. When the reality is that the core product was not built to last. So it doesn't really change whether or not you wore it once or twice and someone else buys it and they wear it once or twice. It's still destined for the same landfill after the same amount of wares. And that's the core problem. And what it's done is it fuels fast fashion sales. People go, they buy fast fashion, they wear it a few times, they drop it off in the thrift shop. And the thrift shops now, the quality of the, the products in them has decreased substantially. And we're used to be able to go in there and find, wow, look at this Levi's jacket from the 90s. And like someone had this probably sitting in a closet somewhere and decided to drop it off. And it's a quality piece. And for $25, I've got this like lifetime capsule piece. You've now got the, oh my God, I saw that on a mannequin two weeks ago. And that to me is where we're encountering a bit of a problem. And I see it because the fast fashion brands encourage thrifting. It's like on all of their websites. And oh my gosh, that was I didn't a even realize that for me. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, yeah, you know, sustainability initiative. We recommend thrift shop and we recommend secondhand clothing options and secondhand clothing markets. And so I think the core of it still needs to be, or you need to make sure that what you're buying in that thrift shop is still built to last. And we still need to hold those brands accountable, regardless of the fact that another person might wear it once or twice. I would add that 80% of clothing that is donated to thrift stores ends up in a landfill. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. And it is because, as you said, there's been this increase on donating, but not purchasing from thrift stores. And so they cycle through all this stuff or it's not high enough quality for them to resell it. And so it just ends up in a landfill. And that's not even inclusive of the waste that is created from fast fashion, making too many clothes that people did not purchase, and then the season's over and it's dumped off somewhere. And I think totally. if more people knew what the full life cycle of their clothes was, there was a revolution 10 years ago about understanding where um, protein and meat come from, right? Like, if you truly saw the conditions of your hamburger, would you still want to support that? I think we need to open our eyes to the true conditions of our clothes. Like if you had to look the child in the eyes who's making your clothes, if you had to see the landfill that it goes to, like if you saw the toxic runoff of the manufacturing plant, would you still want to do that? The problem is we all got to wear clothes and we can't, not everybody yeah. has access to the highest end thing. And so I've been really encouraging people to utilize something like thread up, like go through your own closet. First of all, we're all stressed because there's too many things in our closet and we don't wear most of them. 
go through, figure out what you really love, what makes you happy. And like the things that are quality will resell at a place like ThreadUp and you will make a commission off of it that then you can purchase more products when you're ready. Like I have a credit just sitting at ThreadUp for the next time that I want or need to buy something for myself or my kids. And it's nice to know that it's there. I bought a pair of Doc Martens. I bought like, I find great things there. and. It saves me money. It saves the planet, right? And all these things. And so if you do not have access to being able to invest in slow fashion up front, at least become aware of the brands that are making an effort to do things better so that you can look for them when you are shopping resale. Like in my opinion, I totally agree with you, Christian, that like you're going to get more bang for your buck spending $15 on a pair of um, high-quality leggings from Athleta bought on ThreadUp versus the $15 leggings bought new from a local store that's fast fashion. Like, it's the same $15, but if you're willing to buy something used, which really, like, I don't even know what that means. When people are like, ooh, that's gross. I'm like, let's talk about that. Like, <laughs> We're all this used, like we're all breathing the same air, the same water. Like, think about the fact that, like, the water you're drinking was once dinosaur urine. Like, it's all recycled. We're here, yeah. same planet <laughs> together. And so, anyway, if you're willing to shop used, I think that it can make a big difference. For me, that's like my biggest takeaway with people when I'm talking about fashion and I'm sharing something, and they're like, "What's that link?" And I'm like, "It's from seven years ago." But here's go check out ThreadUp, and maybe you can find something or whatever. I'm curious because I always like to leave listeners with something like positive and actionable suggestion that they can take away and do something if they're sitting there feeling like, oh my gosh, where do I even start? I have all this guilt. First of all, let go of the guilt. Breathe. You're learning. You're going to do the best that you can. What do you suggest is like something that someone can do today to feel good, to move forward without kind of feeling overwhelm of like how big of a problem this is. Totally. The first thing I would say is go look at your closet because the reality is that what I find with most people is that 90% of their closet, they don't even wear. And so they think they have this huge closet and the thought of replacing that whole closet with high quality, expensive, staple pieces is like, oh my God, I'm gonna have to spend thousands of dollars and it's super overwhelming. It's like, I don't have that to set aside for clothes. I just gotta go and buy the cheap thing. The reality is you probably wear like four or five things on repeat and you throw in a couple of other things here and there, or maybe you have a special occasion or something like that. Probably wear the same pants a couple of times a week in the summer. You probably wear the same shorts a couple of times a week. Look at your behavior in terms of how you interact with fashion and you'll see why it's worthwhile learning about capsules and learning about those pieces. And you can still have fun with those little pieces here and there. It's Christmas time. Buy an ugly Christmas sweater. It is what it is, right? That's going to continue to happen. And don't hold yourself to that perfection of like, I have to be the most sustainable clause in the world, blah, 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 blah. But it's not that overwhelming if you break it down to, I could buy three pairs of pants, three shirts, a couple of jackets, and a couple of little statement pieces here and there. And boom, congratulations, you have 40 outfits. You can dress up and down based on what shoes you're wearing and all these different kinds of things. All that information is out there. That's the number one suggestion that I give people who feel overwhelmed by, oh my God, I'm not. It doesn't matter. And in some cases, at the end of the day, if you're buying fast fashion products and they're lasting 
and this doesn't apply to you that you buy that thing and it's worn three times and it falls apart. That's a good thing too. That's great. Okay, cool. Keep wearing that thing. You don't need to get rid of it and replace it. Wear it, but be conscious. Look at your closet. Understand how you interact with fashion. It'll feel a lot less overwhelming. And then use great resources like ThreadUp, like your local thrift shops. Look for those brands. Fill in those little gaps based on what you figure out. And you're going to figure out, wow, I have lots of options, lots of high quality options, lots of sustainable options. And congratulations, you are now contributing to trying to help them make fashion a little bit greener. I love that. And if you have an influencer that you follow, like I have maybe half a dozen. I, I don't even like love fashion influencing, but I have a few that I love following for who they are, the different kind of content that they do. I have spoken up so many times and been like, hey, could you show me something other than Amazon fashion? Like, can you do a review of X brand? They love ideas. So the one thing that I would say, too, is like, that doesn't cost you a penny. It doesn't. It will literally take you 20 seconds. Like, if you follow someone, go be like, hey, I would love to see an Athleta haul. I'm just using them because I'm wearing them right now so I can, like, see it. But there's lots and lots of other brands out there. The one that I was talking about earlier, because I know listeners, you'll ask, and we'll put links to everything in the show notes. The plus size slow brand that I was talking about is called Able. They have straight size and plus size. And then I also want to plug, Christian, you're working through getting slow jeans up and running. Can you talk a little more about where you are in that process if people are curious about it? Yeah, absolutely. We basically just finished year one. I've made about 12,000 pairs of jeans, 4,000 of which are one of one variants. Everything is made to order. So I don't believe in plus sizes. I don't believe in anything about that. It's about you. It's about your measurements, about your body. We make, we have a size set of about 200 sizes and you tell me what to make. And so that's the whole idea is it's not a one-way conversation where a brand just says to you, Hey, this is the collection, buy it. You tell me what you want. What cuts are you looking for? What colors are you looking for? What rises are you looking for? How does this fit? How does it not fit? And we make everything made to order. So it's made for you specifically. So we finished year one. We had a very successful first year. I'm now opening my own manufacturing facility to take it up to the next level. So I have complete control of ethical end-to-end and sustainable end-to-end manufacturing. And the goal now is just to continue to expand into where we're going to shapes now. So we're working on waist-to-hip ratios for people that say have very small waists, very large hips, or vice versa. People with very large thighs, but small waists. People that fall through the cracks of fast fashion size sets. And so that's our next adventure. We're launching jean jackets on Thursday that are made from pre-consumer cotton. So fast fashion jeans that didn't sell. We cut them up, we put them in our fabric, and they have a new lease on life. And uh, very quickly, we're going to try and get them to head-to-toe fashion away from denim. And so that's our that's my little plug. That's my projects. That's my passion. I love it. I actually have a jean jacket like that. I'm going to show it to you when we're done because I'm excited. As you were talking, I was like, oh, I wonder if you know about this. Anyway, so listeners, thank you for tuning in today. If you enjoyed our conversation, make sure to check Christian out. I know a lot of us are old and not on TikTok, but Christian is on TikTok at Christian from, is that Montana? Is that no, because you're from the mountains because you're from Canada. Where's that from? It's actually my first fashion startup was called Mountain, just M-N-T-N. And that was okay. where I made my TikTok. And so everyone knew me as the guy from that brand. I'm actually probably going to change it, but everything's on the website. You can find me there. <laughs> okay. At slowjeans.co. And that's S-L-O jeans. 
Um, we will make sure that we put the link in the show notes for you there. But listeners, you can check out everything that Christian is doing. You can get a jean jacket like mine. And listeners, I also want to remind you, if you've enjoyed the show, to please leave a review and subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using. It's super helpful to other listeners to know that it's a legit show worth their time. And if you want to get our podcast delivered to your inbox ad-free, you can sign up at patreon.com slash the whole view, which is another great way to support the show. And I want to, as always, thank you for being willing to be open to your own growth and personal change. I know no one is perfect, us included, but in listening, learning, and unlearning, we can choose to become better versions of ourselves for ourselves and the planet. Thank you so much for being here today, Christian, and we'll be back again next week, listeners. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.